good morning. I want to once again welcome you guys here, Seymour Christian. I'm glad you're with us this morning as we start off this week lifting up the name of Jesus and singing how great is our God. So thank you for being here with us. I mentioned a few weeks ago that I was really looking forward this summer to some movies that were coming out. And one in particular was the new Mission Impossible. How many of you guys have seen it? Yeah, that's the problem with not having a movie theater in town, isn't it? Uh, I really wanted to see this. I was looking forward to it. I'm a big fan of the Mission Impossible series, and I actually have not seen it yet because you've got to drive so far to the movie theater. But, so don't give me any spoilers if you have seen it. But if you're, if you're familiar with those movies or even the old TV show, how many of you remember the old TV show? Yeah, that we have some more hands, right? This show was based on, and this movie's based on, this concept of the IMF, or what's called the Impossible Mission Force. And in the movie, the agent that works for the Impossible Mission Force, played by Tom Cruise, his name is Ethan Hunt. And each show and each movie opens with the same kind of thing, the situation where the secret agent receives a secret message that once their identity is secured, this message is encoded and lays out a mission that usually is some elaborate scheme to save the world from some catastrophic event that's going to happen. And the rest of the movie is Ethan Hunt carrying out this mission. And he lays everything on the line. You've probably seen, even if you haven't seen the movies, you've probably seen commercials and documentaries about the lengths that Tom Cruise goes in his stunts to lay it out on the line for his character to give all he has to complete this mission, sacrificing his own life, if necessary, to carry out the mission. And there's lots of reasons that these movies are so popular. I mean, they're exciting. They have a little bit of every genre. But we love movies where the character is incorruptible and is completely sold out no matter what to the mission. Well, today we're ending our series titled called God's Greater Purpose for Your Life. And over the past few weeks, we've been looking at what God's purpose is for each and every one of us. And we started off the series by looking at what is God's mission for the church, not just our church, not just Seymour Christian, but every church, or at least what that mission should be. And what is the mission of the church? We saw this in the first week. The core mission of the church is to make disciples of Jesus. That's our mission. We're given the mission directly from Jesus in what's called the Great Commission. You guys are probably familiar with that verse. You've heard it many times, often associated with mission trips or missionaries, and, and there's some truth to that. But we get our mission from the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And this mission isn't just for missionaries. It's not just for pastors or church staff. It's your mission. It's my mission. It's our mission. And to understand this mission, we have to understand what Jesus means when he says to make a disciple. And so for the last few weeks, we've been unpacking this idea of what does it mean to be a disciple? And we're using the following definition to help us to understand it. And this is the definition. Being a disciple is someone who's following Jesus. We saw that in the first week. Is being changed by Jesus. We saw that last week. And this week, we're going to end it with seeing that a disciple is committed to the mission of Jesus. Now, we didn't make up this definition. It actually comes directly as a result from reading Scripture in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will have you become fishers 
of people. And we saw this definition outlined as follows. You'll see this up here on the screen. Following Jesus, that's the invitation that Jesus extends to each and every one of us to follow him. This involves a decision, and we saw it's a daily decision. It's not just a one-time decision. Maybe you came forward in church or at youth camp or wherever it might be and made that decision. It's more than just that one-time decision. It's a daily decision to lay down your rights, to, as we saw, take up your cross and follow me. Second part of that, being changed by Jesus, is Jesus saying, and I, him, Jesus will have you become we saw last week what it means to become. It's this word that we often use in church, sanctification. And we saw how do we become, how are we changed by Jesus? Through what we saw in John chapter 15, being connected, remaining, abiding in the vine. Staying closely connected to our Savior to learn from him and allow him not just to fill our minds, but to fill our hearts and change our motivations. And then we saw, we're going to see this week, that being a disciple is joining Jesus' mission, being committed to Jesus' mission. And that's where he says, I will make you fishers of people. See, as we follow and as we're being changed, we take on a new life mission. It's no longer about how much wealth you can accumulate. No matter, it's no more, more about how important you might be. It's not even things that we think are good things, that are good things, like raising a family, raising a godly family, giving all our money away to the poor, coming to church. Those things are good, they're great, but our mission in life, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, is making disciples. That's our mission. Another way to help us understand this definition is this picture you'll see up on the screen. Following Jesus involves your head. It's a decision to follow Jesus, starting a lifelong journey of learning who Jesus is. We do that through studying the word, through learning, and our acceptance of the call to follow Jesus begins in our head. It's an intellectual decision. It's a choice that you make. That leads us to what we saw last week in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that renewing of our mind is being changed by Jesus, and that leads to our heart. It starts in our head, and then our heart. It extends from our head to our heart. The knowledge that we learn of who Jesus is, who God is, and who we are in light of that has to move from just knowing things about God to knowing God at a heart level. It has to become part of who we are. That word sanctification again, abiding in the word, abiding in him. And it's at this heart level that we experience that, remaining close to Jesus, becoming more like him. And this is where we don't just see changes in our behaviors, we see changes in our motivations, why we do the things we do. They're no longer about us. They're about him. They're about the love that we have for him and the love that we have for others. And third, we join in the mission of Jesus with our hands. Our actions flow out of that heart that's changed by Jesus, and we live it out in the world around us by the things that we do, the way we reach people. Now, last week I talked a little bit about intentionality, that being a disciple and maturing to be more like Jesus isn't going to happen by accident. When we begin following Jesus, we don't just wake up one morning a fully devoted 
changed, sanctified human being. We have to do our part in staying connected to the vine. Remember you, the illustration we used last week, don't be a stick. If you don't remember that or if you weren't here, take a look at that message. We don't want to be a stick disconnected, a dead branch. We want to remain connected to the vine, constantly abiding in his presence. And we do that through obedience and learning and then putting into practice the things that we've learned. Not following a list of rules, but learning from God and learning from each other in a relationship. And let's look this morning a little bit at the third part of this definition of a disciple, being committed to the mission of Jesus or become fishers of people. Now, I don't know how many of you are into fishing. I used to fish when I was a kid. Uh, I haven't done it in years. And I used to fish quite a bit, especially during the summer on our vacations. I would get up real early before anybody else. I'd get all my gear together, and I'd head down to the pier, and I'd just sit. Or sometimes if I was lucky, there'd be an older guy that would take me out in his boat. But it was peaceful. It was quiet. There's kind of an unspoken rule among fishermen. No talking, right? And you want to know why I don't fish anymore? I got bored. I know this isn't true for everybody, but I found fishing as I got older to be boring. I saw it as a passive activity. You put on some bait, you toss your line out, and what do you do? You wait. And wait hoping that a fish will bite. Now, I know that any real fisherman will say, there's so much more to that you don't understand. But I looked at it that way, and I think most of us view fishing like that. We think of fishing, and that's what comes to mind. An old guy in a bucket hat, sitting on a boat with a line in the water, sitting quietly waiting. And that's not the kind of fishing that Jesus was talking about when he said, we'll become fishers of people. Fishing in Jesus' day was an active job. They required going to where the fish were, finding them, seeking them out, and then dropping nets and using all the strength that you had to bring those fish in. I actually didn't know this, growing up in church the whole life until studying this passage a little deeper, that Jesus didn't invent the term fishers of men or fishers of people. That wasn't just a saying he made up. That was a phrase that was used often by people, philosophers and other teachers, to say, let's capture the minds. Let's persuade people. It was a phrase that was used. So when Jesus called the disciples to fish for people, he wanted them to see that their activity, what they were doing in their life, was going to be different. Their everyday work, for the guys he particularly said this to, they were fishermen but it was going to take on a new meaning. They weren't going to be working for their own gain anymore. Their lives were going to be about something else. They had a different mission now. And it was about the people around them. See, being on mission for Jesus is looking for people around you to become disciples. Not sitting and waiting for something to come by and bite your line, but for you to go Scripture actually tells us to do that. Go and make disciples. See, maturing, mature disciples are mentoring people, looking behind them for people that are walking along Jesus or that can walk along Jesus. The people that God has placed in your life 
who can become disciples. So you have access to people all around you in boardrooms, in classrooms, waiting rooms, in neighborhood parties, the factory floor, wherever you might be. We have people that we can engage with, that we can go and make disciples. So we've been given the greatest example of how to do this in the very way that Jesus demonstrated in the Gospels. Because to be a mature disciple means that we're following Jesus' example of how to make disciples. There was some research done on Jesus' method of making disciples, and it was found that in the Gospels, the story of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, three-fourths of his emphasis was on the training of the twelve, of going with this intentional group of men and teaching them, discipling them. We think of Jesus often in his ministry as uh, being on this great mountain, the Sermon on the Mountain, these amazing messages and parables, and those are part of what Jesus did. But 73% of his time that we have recorded in the Gospels is spent with individuals, with groups of people, seeking them out and teaching them, making disciples. The ratio of time Jesus spent with the few versus the many were almost three to one. See, Jesus intentionally looked for opportunities to be in a discipling relationship, to go to where the fish were and put his nets down. There's a verse in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, that says that we make our plans, but God determines the steps. And God has plans for you, his steps for you, to intentionally make disciples, to fish for people. So we need to be more aware of God's sovereignty in this process, of him putting us in situations, be looking for the way that God is saying, go here, cast your nets, fish for people. There's a phrase that I've heard, I've heard different versions of it throughout the years, but it goes like this. If you build the church, sometimes you will get disciples. But if you make disciples, you will always get the church. Think about that for a second. If you build the church, if that's what your mission is, sometimes you'll get disciples. It just happens, I say, by accident. Now, I said earlier that you can't become a disciple by accident, but God does some things sometimes, and you might not have intentionally even set out to do that, but if we build the church, sometimes you get disciples. But if you make disciples... If you follow the mission, you will always get the church. Now, I've heard some harsher versions of that phrase as well. Some will say that if you build a church, you'll never get disciples. But the point is, you can build a church or build your own life on good things, going to church, making good choices, reading your Bible, being a good person, participating in spiritual activities, going to Bible study, giving money to the church, and still not be a disciple. See, we decide if the church is a success by evaluating those kind of metrics. That's the standard by which we gauge success. And I'll admit that I sometimes struggle with this. As a pastor of this church, I want to see things change. And I care about attendance and the numbers, and I care about our offerings and our giving. And those things are metrics that do help us reveal some things. They're important, but they're not the 
gauge of success. See, I've spent most of my adult life loving Jesus, but being focused on building the church. I've been part of churches that have done a good job of that. But I realize that a lot of the effort that I've put in my own life and that you might be putting in your own life towards drawing a crowd or being a good person often is then saying, let's draw a crowd to then hand it off to the professional Christians to do the work of making disciples. And that's totally contrary to what Jesus teaches us and totally contrary to what Jesus intended. Although I've been a part of growing churches in my time in ministry, I've really start, started to ask myself if I've been making disciples. Not did a lot of people attend, not did people like it, not if giving is going well, not even do we have more people than we had last year, but are we making disciples? Am I making disciples? The answer is sometimes yes, but I want to do that more. I want to be more intentional in being a person who's making disciples, actually doing the mission of Jesus. I want to see more of that in my life. Whose job is it to build the church? Jesus. It's Jesus' job to build the church, not mine, not yours not church leaders. It's Jesus' job to build the church. Matthew 16, 18 tells us this. As he's talking to Peter, he says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Not you. Saying he'll use Peter, but I, Jesus, will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Whose job is it to build the church? It's Jesus' job to build the church. But whose job is it to make disciples? We make disciples. That's our job. Jesus builds the church, but we make disciples. We find this in the passage you've already looked at this morning, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow, to obey, to be changed, really. Everything that I've commanded you, and I will be with you in this, he tells us. That's the measure of success. The measure of success is, are we making disciples? And if the answer is no, then it doesn't matter if a church is growing. It doesn't matter if people are having fun. It doesn't matter if giving is great. Doesn't matter if we have the best worship band. The measure of success is are we making disciples? I've asked a question for you to consider every week as we've been unpacking this definition of what it means to be a disciple. And the first question I ask you is this Am I a disciple? To really evaluate your life and say, Am I following? If you remember the, the, the 12 that Jesus invited, he said, come follow me, and they dropped everything, and they made the decision to follow him daily, to give up themselves, and to follow closely as the rabbi, as the rabbi follow behind him. So I ask that question, am I a disciple? Have you made the choice at the head level to follow Jesus, to follow closely, to learn and to study who he is? and the life that he's called you to. 
The second question I ask you to consider last week is, am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? Not am I more like Jesus than I was 10 years ago when I accepted Jesus, when I started to begin to follow him. But am I more like Jesus today than I was yesterday? That's being changed by Jesus. Not am I a Christian, but am I being changed? Not am I doing church things, but am I actively growing? One of the things that happens in those opening scenes of Mission Impossible, when Ethan is presented with this impossible mission, this voice from wherever, the little gadget that he has, comes on and it says this, your mission, should you choose to accept it? Your mission, should you choose to accept it? See, that mission is given to Ethan. It's not given to his whole team. It's his mission. Now, he doesn't accomplish it alone, but it's his mission. If you choose to accept it is the question. And I, I was thinking about this this week as I thought about those movies. Why do they ask him this? It's his job. <laughs> he signed up for this, right? Judging on the clothes he wears and the cars he drives and all the fancy stuff he gets, he gets paid pretty well to do this job. I mean, how many times does your boss have to ask you, will you choose to do your job today? No, it's your job. So why do they ask him, do you choose if you choose to accept it? See, the reason you have to choose to accept it is you have to be committed to this. It has to be a choice. Because this mission can't be done by someone who isn't sold out, completely committed to the mission. If the impossible mission force agents just looked at this as their job, punching the clock, they'd never give everything they have to give to complete the mission. And the same applies for us. The stakes are too high. They wouldn't commit to even losing their very life, or in our case, taking up our cross. If we were forced to do it, if we were just doing it for a paycheck, if we were just doing it to get into heaven, there has to be more to it. We have to accept it. We have to choose this mission. No one can force you. I mean, Jesus offered an invitation to join him in this mission. And that mission isn't just for others. It's not for missionaries or pastors or the church staff. It's your mission. Jesus gave this mission to us all. It's our mission and so the question I want to ask you to consider this week is this. Do you choose to accept the mission? Your mission, should you choose to accept it? I know that's cheesy, but I hope that it sticks with you. Because it's one of the most important questions that you'll ever be faced with. And your answer to this question, will you choose to accept this mission, is going to frame every decision you make, the way you spend your time, where your money goes, the things you commit to your brain, the things you care about. Everything in your life is oriented around this mission. 
This answer to that question, how you answer it, will determine if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus or not. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to help other people to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and be committed to the mission of Jesus. See, the Great Commission is your mission. It's my mission. It's our mission. Do you choose to accept the mission? That's the question I want you to consider this week. But I also want to issue a challenge. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to intentionally do one thing to advance the mission this week. I'm not asking you for to change everything in your life. Remember, this is being changed by Jesus. It's ongoing. But the, the challenge for you and the challenge for me this week is to say, I'm going to intentionally, I'm going to intentionally do one thing, at least one thing, to advance the mission of Jesus this week. I'm going to choose to go to where the fish are. I'm going to choose to cast my nets. I'm going to choose to bring them in with all the strength I have. I want to give you an example of what this could look like, an easy one that really, really fits what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Invite someone to church. Or better yet, invite them to be part of a growth group. I spent time talking about these last week. But see, we're starting these growth groups as a way to try to intentionally grow as disciples of Christ together. And we're inviting and encouraging you to be part of a smaller circle. Not the big masses, but that three-fourths of the time that Jesus spent with a few people. A smaller circle meeting together, encouraging each other and equipping each other to become disciples. I shared a little bit about what the growth groups are about last week. An opportunity for a small group of people to get together from all ages and stages of life. And, and we're going to do those to dive into uh, the passages we're studying over this next season. We're going to be starting a new series next week on the book of James. The subtitle for the series is A Faith That Works. And James is, first of all, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible, but it's such a practical book for us to study as we start these growth groups, to look and see, how, how can I live out my faith? How can I be a disciple in the everyday things that I do? And so these groups will meet together. Some of them are already meeting. Some of you have already been involved in this. But these growth groups meet together and go through a series of questions and share and open up the word and just look at those passages and say, what is God showing me through this? There's some guided questions of facilitators there to help keep the discussion going. It's not a class. It's an opportunity to learn from each other. And if you are new to Seymour Christian here, or you've been coming for a while, and you're not connected to people, this is, this is the next best step for you to get to know others, to be in a relationship where we're intentionally trying to disciple each other and allowing the Holy Spirit to disciple us through our time together. So you saw up on the screen, if you'd put that up again for me, uh, there's a QR code on there. 
And I've had some people ask me what a QR code is. This is a great thing that kind of came to fruition during COVID. It's been around for a while, but you might have gone to a restaurant and seen these. And all you have to do to use a QR code is take out your phone, open your camera app, and point it at that, and then press the QR code on your screen. And it'll take you to a website. And that website has information about what a growth group is, answers some questions, and there's a place you can register. You can sign up to be part of a growth group. Uh, We also have some cards like this. Remember that one of the ways that you can intentionally try to advance the mission is to invite someone else to be part of this with you. And so these cards are available at the back table by the doors on your way out at our welcome desk. There's some up here. And these cards just have that same QR code. It could be a great reminder for you to take this with you. Maybe there's someone within your sphere of influence, someone at work or school or a group that you hang out with that God puts on your heart, I want to intentionally help them to become disciples of Jesus. This is a great opportunity to invite them to this. So you could take this with you just as a reminder. If you want to have the QR code uh, on your own, you can grab these on your way out. But I encourage you to prayerfully consider being part of a growth group. If this is all just too confusing to sign up online, we do have tables outside. We have some people there that are there that can help you with that. And we're going to be forming those groups over the next week or so. And I would love to see everyone here connected with a group of believers. I said some groups are already meeting, but to have a place where when you come here, you're not just here on Sunday morning, but you're intentionally in a discipling relationship with people. So you can find out more information online about that at our website. Uh, There's a growth groups tab you can click right at the top. If you have any questions, you can ask myself or go out to the table and they can help answer some of those questions as well. But if you want to see change in society, in your school, in politics, in your workplace, in your own home, in this church, we have to be committed disciples who make disciples. Disciple is someone who's following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission should you choose to accept it mission to make disciples who make disciples. Let's pray together. God, you've called each and every one of us to be your disciples. And you extend that invitation to us all. The best of us and also the rest of us, Lord. Even me. You've called me. You've called our name. Each and every one of us, you've called us to follow you, to be changed by you, and to commit our lives to the mission God, help me, help us all to answer that call. I ask that you would light a fire within each and every one of us that drives us to reorient our life around that call. Of the decisions that we make, the way we spend our time, our resources, our energy, our hearts, our hands, and our minds, Lord, would be around this mission. God, I pray for our growth groups as they start, that they would be places where people here get connected with each other and get connected with you in a deeper relationship. God, that even if we're only together for a short period of time, that in those times, we would challenge each other. Those who've been walking with you for decades and those who are just curious about what it means to be a follower of you, Lord, that we would all have a place where we gather and learn from each other, challenge each other, and become disciples who make disciples. 
And we thank you for this mission that you've given to each and every one of us. And I pray that this week we would consider, do we accept that mission or do we want to live our life for something else? You give us that opportunity. You give us that choice. But God, I pray that we would choose to be about your mission. Your mission about building your kingdom. For your name and for your glory, not our own. In the name of Jesus we pray.